It's Monday, January 8th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, welcome to the 2018 edition of the Defender Podcast. We've switched things up for you a little bit. We're going to start going to a three-day-a-week podcast. So Mondays will be our normal Bible study, but will include our weekly prayer request. And then Tuesday and Wednesday will be topical formats. And so these topical days will be consistent uh, with each podcast lasting about 12 to 15 minutes. And, and they will include uh, interviews or topics. And then we will also continue to take the podcast on the road as we travel overseas and around the United States. And so hopefully this will give you four extra days to catch up if you've maybe missed a topic or if you uh, were able to unable to listen a day, you can have time to catch up. So today is our weekly Monday Bible study and prayer, and today we continue our study on the gospel according to Luke as we walk through Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 49. And, and this passage is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Plain, and it has some stark parallels to Matthew's account of which we what we know is called the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapters five through seven. And and we know that towards the end of Matthew chapter four, Jesus had withdrawn alone to, to be alone, and after that he calls his disciples. As soon as they left their nets to follow him, we see that he begins ministering to great crowds. And and the ministry of these crowds leads him to preach. And so we see this this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 start, and then we see the Sermon on the Plain start here in Luke chapter 6, and, and it asks us, it begs the questions, are these the same sermons? Well, you know, just on Sunday yesterday, my children, Adeline and Caleb, took notes on, on the sermon, and, and they were capturing those notes and capturing data, and as I looked over at Adeline's notes, they were very different from the data that Caleb was capturing. Well, were they listening to the same sermon? Absolutely, but they they were putting it through their filter and their lens. They were giving the details from what they thought was important. Many believe that in the same ways, these two sermons are the same, but Luke and Matthew are drawing out different points because they are writing to a different audience. Remember, Luke is drawing out an account to the Gentiles, literally the nations, right? Luke is writing this book to the nations. His account is evangelistic and detailing proof of the divinity of Christ for all nations. Matthew, on the other hand, is trying to prove to the Jewish people that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah and that he fulfilled the law. This may be why Matthew pays careful attention right, to, to saying that Christ came to fulfill the law. Look at Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. It says, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Oh, Luke is is much more brief and general as his topics than Matthew, and and they are writing from different perspectives, right? For instance, Luke calls it the Sermon on the Plain. Matthew calls it the Sermon on the Mount. Is it the same sermon at the same time in the same place? Right? They're differing details, but they're not contradictory details. Matthew says a mountain. Matthew 5.1. He says, seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. Right? Luke says it was a, a level place or, or, a, or a plain. Right? Luke 17. And he came down to them and stood on a level place and a great crowd of his disciples came to him. Right? So was it a, was it a mountain? Mountain or was it a level place? Well, we know that even Luke goes on to say that, that there was a mountain nearby, right? There, there, was a, there was a mountain right next to this plain, right? So notice that Matthew was focused more on what Jesus was saying and the relevance to mankind in his Beatitudes, where even Luke focuses more in his Beatitude on you and your, right? Matthew says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven, right? Luke says, blessed are you when you are poor. Blessed are you when you are hungry, for you shall be satisfied, right? Matthew was was looking at mankind, where Luke was becoming personal. He was focused on those who were gathered. So could Matthew have named the sermon from where Jesus was seated, while Luke named it from where the people were postured, right? Jesus was preaching from a mount, but the people were on a plane. The point is, right, the word of the word is the word of God. And we have four gospels, not to confuse us, but to bolster our faith. Because while the vantage point may change from writer to writer, the truths remain bedrock. And so the question for us is actually found in in verses 17 through 19 of Luke chapter 6. Are we coming to fix our eyes on Jesus or are we coming to try to find our best life now? Right? Are we looking to Jesus as the foundation of our faith? Are we looking to Jesus to give us something for the here and now? Matthew, uh, or, or Luke chapter 6, 17 to 19 says, And he came down with them, and he stood on a level place with a, a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to him to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for the power came out of him and healed them all. You see, the people were sick, they were hurting, they were weak, and they were poor. They wanted Jesus for his power, for his healing. But these same people who were healed, guess what? They later died. These miracles were a display of the power and majesty of God, but they were only a glimpse of his true power. He had the power of sin and death, not just over sickness, not just over over their calamities of the that day. He had the power over sin and death. He was the substitute that could unite all things back together. He had come to save the world and reconcile the world back to the Father. So today, beloved, what are we looking to Jesus for? Are we looking him to to heal us of the here and now? Are we looking at him to answer the greatest difficulties and the greatest dilemma of our day, which is the sickness of our sin? And so the sermon starts and ends in Luke with these with these bookmarks, right? The people are coming for to heal their sickness, and at the end of the sermon, Jesus brings this great analogy of building your house on a rock. 
right? He says this in, in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream broke against that house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Oh, if we grew up in church, we've all sung the song, the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? Are we building, beloved, a foundation in the gospel? Is our life staked in Christ? If so, we will dig down deep and lay a foundation on the rock by hearing the words of Jesus and doing them. When Jesus is the rock and we are looking to him as our Savior and Lord, then we aren't as interested in their temporal problems. We are interested in the eternal right in in any type of building project we know uh, that it takes longer to get it done the right way and not cut corners right now lifeline is still in the throes of trying to move to the wmu building in birmingham and it's taken longer than we expected but we're not going to cut any corners right this isn't always instant gratification right at times you may spend your money not on the fixings but on stability in any type of project, in any type of building, we don't want to cut corners. And so when we're building our life on the rock of Christ, let's not cut corners, right? Let's let's look to build our life firm in the bedrock foundation of Christ. Jesus tells the crowds, if you are living for today, then you are ruined. But if you are building, you are building your life on the sand. But if you are building your life for the future, for eternity, then you're building it on the rock of Christ. And these are the bookmarks that we find highlighted in this sermon on the plane, right? But we also see just these five quick parallels found in in the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. The first is the Beatitudes, right? The Beatitudes. And and in Luke chapter uh, 6, we see actually the Beatitudes and the woes, right? Uh, These are are ultimate examples of those who aren't living for this world, but are living for another kingdom. They do not recognize that the mercy, uh, they, they recognize that the mercy of God is still at work, even though the greatest benefit of the kingdom is delayed. Today, he is providing for us. Today he is feeding us. He is comforting us as we weep. He is giving us a better name. And this is not just to feed our bellies today, but to give us a hope for the future. This is truly not your best life now, but your best life deferred. Notice all of these promises are for the future. All of the promises that God gives are the future, right? Blessed are those who are hungry, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who weep, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when you people hate you and they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name on evil on account of the Son of God. Rejoice in that day, in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great. Where? In heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. This is what Luke is saying. Let us not forget that Jesus has brought the kingdom of heaven to earth in his own kingly power and fellowship, and we can enjoy foretaste of it here and now. Even though the full experience of this kingdom, oh, it's in an age to come. So number one, we see the parallel from the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, the Beatitudes. But number two, we see it in the way that Jesus says to love your enemies. 
Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27, it says this, it says, But I say to you, you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer him also another, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Oh, this message is so countercultural. While we like to put the golden rule, right, Luke 6, 31, up in our classrooms and our children's rooms, right, this is hard, and this flies in the face of culture. Do we really do unto others as we would have them do unto us? Or do we instead do unto others as they have wronged us? Do we wrong others as they have wronged us? Right? We show mercy and grace of Christ by our actions, but we must back it up with our words. Saints Francis of Assisi said, preach Jesus and if necessary, use words. Oh, I'm sorry, St. Francis, but you can't preach Jesus if you don't use words. We use action and show mercy so that we have the opportunity to use words and to preach Jesus. Recently, Ashley and I had the opportunity to, to minister to a lady that we're very close to and, and to, to share the gospel and to show kindness and to invite this lady to lunch and to invite her to spend time with us. And, and, and during this time, this lady said to my sweet wife, she said, I know you feel sorry for me and that you are just being kind to me. And Ashley looked at her and she said, we don't feel sorry for you. We love Jesus and want to show you that same love. We show grace. We show love. We proclaim, we, we show action so that we have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beloved, we show counterculture mercy in order to give audience to the proclamation of the gospel. But the second thing we see, the second parallel of in the Sermon on the Mount to the Sermon on the Plain is what we see in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 39. And this is what Luke says about judging others, right? This is what it says. It says, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both not fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's Oh, beloved, this is so misunderstood and so misquoted. This is not talking about judging sin, but this was talking about dealing with your own sin so that you can help a brother through their sin. The illustration application here is great perspective and, and a perspective that Matthew's gospel fails even to give what Luke gives. The truth is that the blind cannot be leading the blind. Two gluttons cannot truly help each other, right? Stop overeating, right? If they just commiserate in their sins, go to a all-you-can-eat buffet, compare their sins, and then eat all they can on that buffet. If you want to help someone with their gluttony, then lay yours at the cross, right? Allow your gluttony at the cross. Allow the grace of Christ to change you, and then go and lead your brother away from the all-you-can-eat buffet in the same steps that you've gone. Don't judge the sin of others when the same sin is dominating your own house. But once you have found grace in Christ and mercy in Christ for that sin, go by all means and help your brother. But then the fourth thing and the last thing that we see in the parallel between Matthew's Sermon on the Mount and Luke's Sermon on the Plain is, is, is that we are known by our fruit. Luke 6, 
verse 43, it says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Right after these instructions not to judge, Jesus gives us the formula for knowing who is truly in Christ. Look at their fruit. Judge the content of their fruit. An orange tree cannot produce bananas, and an apple tree cannot produce cherries. In the same way, a tree that is dead cannot produce healthy fruit. Only a vibrant and healthy tree bears good fruit. Even healthy trees many times will have their off seasons, but look to the fruit. And so, beloved, are we bearing good fruit? Are we living for the here and now? Are we living for the kingdom of God yet to be consummated? Are we loving others well, including those who would be deemed our enemies? And are we dealing with our own sin so that ultimately we can point others to the love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness of Christ Jesus? Let's not look to Christ merely for the benefits of the life here and now, but let's build a strong foundation and work so that others may be a part of the kingdom yet to come. And that is the beautiful truth that we see in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 49. And so this week, we are also praying for the country of Uganda. And so I want to just give you some ways that you can be praying with our staff for Uganda this week. First, pray for the government of Uganda, for God to reveal himself to the judges, to probation officers, and to those who make decisions regarding orphan care. Pray for the government overall. Uh, Recently, their parliament adapted a law where their president can serve yet another term. And so just continuing to override the term limits that have been set in their original constitution. Pray for the church in Uganda, for God to strengthen Ugandan families and to grow more in a desire to, to see sound doctrine. For the church to thrive and for the church to start to care for orphans. Pray specifically for our church partner, King Jesus Church. Pray for Pastor Raphael as he leads this church. Pray for the light of the gospel to shine in Busega, this community where King Jesus is serving, especially that God will follow, uh, God will allow Muslims to see him and to follow him. Oh, pray for our orphanage partners as well, Loving Hearts Babies Home. Pray for the directors, the nannies, and the children, specifically for the director Miriam and for the social worker Gerald. Pray for birth families throughout Uganda that poverty and special needs of their children would not be a reason that they would abandon their children. Pray specifically for the attorney that we work with, Isaac. Pray for his health and spiritual well-being. Pray for discernment and stamina. Oh, pray for, uh, again, pray for dear Pastor Raphael and for his wife, Alan, and, and for their girls, Charity and Tabitha and Delight and Selah. Pray for protection and rest. Pray for good family time as they minister to the community and the children at the Busega School for the Deaf and the Blind, and that the ministry will continue to be fruitful. Pray for these children at the Busega School for the deaf and the blind, that they will continue to grow in the Lord and their families' hearts will continue to be softened to the gospel. Pray for continued financial provision for our projects and for the sustainability projects to bring about revenue through the sewing center and the internet cafe. Pray for the opening of the sewing center just to continue to blossom and for the school of the blind to continue to blossom. Praise God for how he is working so clearly through Pastor Raphael, King Jesus Church, the deaf school, the internet cafe, the sewing center, and the school for the blind. And praise God for how he continues to open doors for us to be involved in caring for orphaned and vulnerable children in Uganda. So let's just close our time out today. 
praying for Uganda. God, we lift up this country. We lift up my brother from another mother, Pastor Raphael, and we just ask that you would use them to minister to the people of Uganda. And Lord, would you give us just remembrance this week to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Uganda, to be praying for the government, to be praying for families that are struggling with uh, the decision to abandon their children, that we would be praying for uh, the school for the deaf and the blind, and ultimately we would be praying that your gospel would be known and your gospel would be made known and it would be made rich in the country of Uganda. Oh Lord, we love you and we pray that you would remind us of these truths that we have seen from Luke 6 and that you remind us and prick our hearts to pray for our uh, dear brothers and sisters in Uganda. Oh, beloved, thank you for joining us again in 2018 for the Defender of Podcast. And remember that on Mondays, we will continue this Bible study and prayer. And then Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we will have topic-driven podcast. And please share uh, this podcast with your friends. And if you're enjoying the Defender Podcast, would you please take a moment and go on your favorite podcasting app and rate the podcast and leave us a review. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.